Okay. So thank you for your time. Um, hi, Robert. So I'll just introduce myself. I'm Sonia Jean Killebrew. I am a writer and I'm a teacher. And this is my oral history project, Black America and COVID. I'm really excited to speak with Robert today. So I'll give a little background about why I started the podcast, um, who I am as a Black American, and then I will interview Robert. So I was inspired by the work of Zora Neale Hurston, who is an anthropologist and author. And she, the last book when she wrote about the last Black Negro who was um, unfortunately enslaved, the last Black Cargo, I thought about how she recorded him in his authentic voice. And I thought if she were alive today, she would probably interview Black Americans to learn their story living during this pandemic. And so I decided that I would go out and interview Black Americans, and I'm starting with people who I know to learn what was their experience living in America during a pandemic. I know that we heard on the news that Black Americans, Latin Americans, people of color were disproportionately affected by COVID, but I wanted to, excuse me, I might cry. I want to know who are these people? I know that so I'll say I'm a fourth generation teacher. My mom is a retired New York City teacher. She's Jamaican American. My grandmother taught for 20 years in Jamaica. And my great grandmother was a daughter of an Irish woman and a black man in Jamaica. She was a teacher in the late 1800s until she got married. And then it was considered inappropriate for a woman to work in the late 1800s when she got married. And I think it's ironic because in the late 1900s when my mom got married, she began working as a teacher. And so I'm now I'm really looking forward to speaking with my classmate, my friend for my MFA program, this amazing poet, Robert. So thank you, Robert. So um, can you um, introduce yourself, your full name and tell us if you identify as Black or African-American. Thank you, Sonia. It's so, it's so wonderful to hear your story because it encourages me in what the work that we do as writers and educators and creatives. My name is Robert Anthony Gibbons. I identify as he and him. Those are my pronouns. I am African-American. Um, I grew up in Southern Florida and there is a connection between everything you're going to talk about tonight. So that's why I'm so excited. You're talking about Zora Neale Hurston and you're talking about my background because Zora Neale Hurston comes from Florida. She is a famous Black Floridian. So we have a lot to talk about tonight. Thank you. I didn't know you were from Florida. Yes. Thank you. So I'll ask, so the next question is, what was your experience living during the COVID-19 pandemic? and also working in 2020 and 2021? Well, prior to the pandemic, Sonia, thank you for asking. You know, I had a series of gigs as most um, people that are, you know, in this field that want to either be a teacher or a creative or a writer. You know, I had several gigs. I had a city, gig at City College. I taught at Monroe College. I taught at Libby um, College of Business. So I had several gigs where I was teaching writing and composition, which I really, appreciated the opportunity. And uh, after COVID hit, many of those gigs, they just disappeared. So I just really had to um, honor that space of, of being in exile, but also 
you know, moments of just loneliness and moments of just being by myself because most of my family is down south. So, you know, there were times where I just felt like, you know, wow, I'm, I have cabin fever and, you know, but, you know, somehow, you know, the writing spoke for itself. So what I did was for 20 days, I did a video project on YouTube called Put Yourself Into a Better Place. And I entitled it Put Yourself Into a Better Place because I felt like if I'm a writer, then the writers of my past and of my legacy has to have something to say during the period because writers and poets are always, like Shelley said, they are the unacknowledged legislators. So I began reading from Elizabeth Bishop or Wallace Stevens or Robert Hayden or Zora Neale Hurston or Langston Hughes or Ralph Ellison. And I began to record those and then when I started doing it on a daily basis, day 21 of put yourself into it, it reached a large audience. So just saying to encourage you, Sonia, just a little bit you do in this area, people recognize it. Whether it's one, pe one person or 100 people, they recognize what you do. Thank you, Robert. And you're such a talented poet. Whenever I hear you read your poetry, it's like, I feel like I'm going to church. Like, I feel catharsis. You're such an amazing poet. So I'm so thankful that you are sharing your time with me. And, and I'll also share that during the pandemic, my mom, she's a retired teacher. And so a lot of her, her peers and her elders passed away from COVID around eight. And so, and when I spoke to friends who are not Black American, they did not have that same experience. So I wanted to know if you want to share, um, if you sadly lost anyone, and if you want to just memorialize them. Yeah, quite, quite, quite a few people. Florida was hit terribly, Sonia. Um, my brother, Dr. Carl Gibbons, he's a principal at a middle school in Florida. My brother contracted the, uh, the COVID virus in the middle and the hard part of it. And, it. and he's younger, but it really played a number on him. But, you know, beyond him surviving the COVID, you know, I lost the uncle, I lost neighbors. You know, my mom was also, my mom was also a, a elementary teacher for 38 years in the Palm Beach County public school system. And, you know, she lost many of her friends, many of neighbors because a lot of people didn't believe in the vaccination. Fortunately for my parents, you know, they were both vaccinated and my brother became vaccinated, but a lot of people didn't believe in the vaccination. So unfortunately they didn't make it, you know? And so for to have 11 funerals per weekend in Florida in a small community like I grew up in, it's a very devastating thing. I, it still sends chills up my body for the young as well as the old that we lost during this pandemic we lost a lot of people in Florida. You know, Florida was hit hard because if you recall, we had some issues with the, the governor of the state and all kinds of bureaucratic, just red tape down there about masks and, 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 and vaccines. You know, it was, it, it was we, tr we really suffered a tremendous loss to answer your question. Wow, I'm sorry for your loss. Wow. And Robert, I noticed that you're participating in the Zip Code Memory Project. I wonder if you could talk about learning about it and why you're participating in it. Yes, thank you so much. I really 
like the zip code memory project. I uh, because what they did was they assembled a group of artists together to memorialize and remember the loss. Because as you know, even in a city as large as New York City, with all these people, people suffer loneliness. They suffer. They 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 suffer from depression. They suffer from mental ailments, you know, all of the moments being locked up in a city so vibrant and so active as this city and to be locked away for two years like we did, you know, so the Zip Code Memory Project, whom I love all of the people over there, we met at St. John Divine, we healed, we bonded as artists and writers and teachers and educators and, 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 and cultural workers from around the city to just really support and understand. We wrote about it. We drew about it. We 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 talked about it. We had a retreat about it, and it was a wonderful opportunity. So you know they're still doing stuff. So I'm still connected to them, although I can't get to the meetings as much. I'm still connected to the Zip Code Memory Project. Thank you for asking about them. Thank you, and I I just want to read you the quote that they have that you from from me on their website because it's so poetic. You're you're such a poetic speaker, um, and so. Quoting you, Robert Anthony Givens, I think grief and loss transcends borough or boundaries. It is what I felt when I attended the first session. People who want to heal, who wanted to commune, who wanted to interface with humanity. I thought that was beautiful. Thank you so much. They really encouraged my work. They really encouraged, you know, for me to just take space, take residency. Because again, I don't know if you know, Sonia, I'm from South Florida. And so I'm here in New York by myself. And oftentimes, you know, my family is so far away. They were worried, my, but my mom felt like, you know, I really should, you know, stay here. Don't come to Florida. We want you to stay there. And when things open up again, then maybe you can come down and visit. But I was, you know, I haven't been in Florida for about two years now. So it's been very difficult because my mom is older. My father is older. They are both retired teachers. And uh, I worry, you know. Wow. You know, I have, um, I have an older brother in Georgia. And I haven't been to Georgia in two years either since before the pandemic for similar reasons. Um, the, the mass mandate, there was just a lot, a lot going on. Um, there was something else I wanted to ask you. Also, we talked about Zora Neale Hurston, and she's also from Florida. And, yes. Yeah. And we yep. also talked about, and you taught me, I didn't realize that um, she, as an oral historian, she's yes. working with the federal government. If you could just talk yep. about oral history. Okay. A little bit. Well, Zora, Zora has a very, very interesting story. And, you know, first of all, I want to say she is one of my muses. She is one of my ancestors, my literary ancestors. I come from Florida. So I come from the tradition of Augusta Savage, Zora Neer Hurston, and James Weldon Johnson. All three came to New York from Florida. And so it's very, very important that me being a Floridian by birth, that I understand my tradition. You know, so I had to study, like I told you, I have to go back to the writers. I have to go back to the artists. I have to go back to the ancestors. I have to go back to the musicians, the people that paved the way. And so Zora Neer Hurston was a person of culture. You know, she went to the outskirts of Georgia and to the backgrounds of Florida to track the history. 
she did she was trained in anthropology she didn't do that until new she, she, until she moved to new york but prior to that she was always a woman of the culture so she was always tracking the african-american dialect she was always writing about black history and and people people of color not only in the united states but in the caribbean and so rumors said that she would go to the back yards of south carolina and listen to the old songs of the old churches and she would record the stories she would write them down she would write the songs down and these are the things in her article why white people won't publish me if you ever read that article about zora Neale why white people won't publish me you'll find out how diligent she was about documenting this history because this the Georgia Sea Islands and all the islands off the coast of Georgia and South Carolina, all those historically black islands that's out there that are connected to the Caribbean, Zora Neale Hurston was in search of that word. She was in search of that story. She was in search of that song. And then when she made that trek to New York, she worked with the eminent professor, Frank Boaz. And Frank Boaz had her to go through Harlem to ask black people, can I measure the size of your head? And so she was walking and she talks about this in some of her, re her writings that you know how funny she felt because Frank Boaz, this eminent professor at Columbia was trying to dispute black inferiority as opposed to white inferiority of white superiority. So this was one of the ways, so she was going through Harlem tracking these stories of black people and their stories and all of her short stories. And, you know, I just, you know, I don't know if you know, I just, I just collaborated with this artist in, in Brooklyn and we wrote a book on Zora Neale Hurston. So I wrote 18 poems to Zora Neale Hurston and she did 18 paintings and it's called Some Little Words. And what I did was it's a series of erasure poems. So I wrote the poems on top of the paintings. And so we did a one first edition collection of that book and it sold out immediately. So if, if I can ever get a copy of that book, I'm definitely gonna save one, retain one for you, Sonia. As a matter of fact, I have one for you and I'll give you that book. That book is dedicated since you're doing this great work contributing to Zora Neale Hurston. I did not know, I love erasure poems. I did not know that you studied Zora Neale Hurston. Wow. wow. Yes. I would be honored. Yes. Oh, you're such a gifted poet. I really miss going to your poetry readings and hearing you read. Well, I definitely invite you to the, the Whitney Biennial. I'm going to read for the Whitney for National Poetry Month in April, and it's the first weekend in April, and I'll definitely get an invitation for you. Yes. I would be honored to attend. Yes. You know, yes. When, like when you said that, I remember reading online about the pandemic, how people were watching a lot of films and a lot of TV shows and listening to music. And, yeah. and, and I, I'm paraphrasing, but someone said, don't forget that during our darkest days, we turn to artists. Sorry, I'm crying. Yes, we do. It's all right. We have to because they went through it. I think about Sonia Ida B. Wales, the great suffragette. You know, she lived during the yellow fever. And not only did she live during the yellow fever, she lost her mother and her father during the yellow fever epidemic. And so what she did was she had to lie about her age and say that she was older so that she could get a job to raise her sisters and brothers. So, you know, when I look at the little puny things that I go through, I say, I can't because I can't. I didn't live during the Spanish I didn't live through the, during the bubonic plague. I didn't live during the yellow fever, you know, but I'm living now and I have the history to rely on. 
And so those kinds of things, when we look at the history, the path has already been made for us, Sonia. The path has already been made. Thank you. That is so inspiring. I did not know that about Ida B. Wells. I knew she was a writer. I knew she was a reporter. I knew she dedicated her life to reporting on lynchings, but I did not know that about her childhood. Yes, Sonia, yes. And it's so much more that we haven't discovered yet. Thank you, Robert. You like contextualized for me in history, our place in history in terms of this pandemic, this plague really, because I think at this point, 800,000 Americans have been killed yes. by COVID. And so I don't know if you have read or you understand the great 1619 project done by Nicole Hannah-Jones. She reports in that book, and I'm, I'm presently going through that book again because it's just so much history that I'm interested in in that book. She reports that it has taken so much of Black America, that's Black America, Caribbean, all the African diaspora, it's taken so many of our people, it has taken three to 10 years off the life of people of color around the world. Three to 10 years of our life that's what Nicole Hannah Jones reports in that book of COVID. I did not know that. I haven't read the 1619 Project yet. I tried to find it as a podcast, but I don't know if it's available anymore. It's available. You can hear portions of it on YouTube. So you can do one. They break it up into like four or five sections. I heard that, which is, it will make you cry. I mean, like the music and the video and the song and the reading and the post. I mean, like it. It's overwhelming, but I'm just, because I have an undergrad degree in history, I want to read this history. The book is like overwhelmingly long, but I want to just read portions of it each day. So I make it a part of my daily reading because I read, I do a gratitude list in the morning every day, Sonia. And, and the gratitude list comes from the idea, I have to be grateful. I have to be grateful. I made it through Sonia. So I have a gratitude list. I thank the universe for my writing life. I thank the universe for my mother, my father, my sisters, my brothers, for my ancestors, for everybody that I know. I make that list. I make that intention every day, Sonia. I make that intention every day because it's very important. Life is too short there. Too many people, lo we're losing too many people. We're losing too many celebrities. We're losing too many common people. We're losing too many reverends, preachers, whatever. You know, so I make that, my point is I make a gratitude intention every day and I write it down because I want the universe to know I mean what I say. And then I go into my daily reading. I'm reading for Tahimba Jess's book, Lead Belly. I'm reading from Denise Duhamel's book, Kinky. I'm reading from uh, an, a Nigerian writer that writes science fiction. I'm reading because I want to grow as a writer. You know, people principally knows, know me as a poet and that's good. But I want to be, I want my writing to encompass more than just poetry. The poetic word is over my life. My grandmother was an evangelist and she was a street evangelist. So she could get into this rhythm. She was like a poet too. You know, she could get it. And I think I got a lot of my rhythm and a lot of my song and a lot of my energy from her because I would, I would play the instruments for her. So when she would get up and sing her song, that's the way I started beating the drums. So I learned how to beat the drums because of the time I spent with my grandmother as a kid. So my whole point is, there's so much going on, but we have such a great mission. And that's why I'm so proud to be a part of this project with you and just, just much love and much respect for you. 
Thank you, Robert. And I just want to say it is, you know, eight o'clock on a Friday night, and I'm so thankful that you are at City College, which is where we met in our MFA program. And, you know, I, I have like four jobs, and I am so tired. But this, this oral history project means so much to me that I can reach out to, to Black Americans and have us tell our stories. And so I, I thank you so much for your time. And I'm sorry, I'm so emotional. It's all right, Sonia, honey, I love you. And I want you to understand, be strong. And not only that, you're not upset, you're healing. You're healing. And so call, reach out to me anytime you need me. I'll be there. Thank you. Thank all right. You. Take care. All right. Bye. Have a good night. Bye. Thank you for listening to my interview with the amazing poet, Robert Anthony Gibbons. If you would like to share your personal experience during the COVID-19 pandemic, and you are a Black American, then you can contact me. My email is in the show notes of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or you can record a voice note and email it to me. And there are also instructions in the show notes of my podcast on how you can record a voice memo and send it to me. Thank you so much for your time. My name is Sonia Jean Killebrew, and this is Black America in COVID. <laughs>